On today's show, grading the Houston Rockets free agency moves so far to this point, how they have creatively structured some of their free agency moves to be major players next offseason, and does trading KJ Martin and Josh Christopher help Jalen Green? We're going to break it all down for you coming right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, a native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Drop your grades for the Rockets free agency moves so far in the the comment section. Now, as always, appreciate you making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com. Promo code Locked On. Joining us now in the aftermath of Rockets Free Agency, or Rockets Free Agency so far, is your weekly co-host, Frank, from the Rockets Chop Shop. You can track down on Twitter at FTank58, as well as at HTX Chop Shop, and be sure to follow along at their YouTube channel for all of the Rockets content that they put out. Frank, it's been a whirlwind of a couple days for the Houston Rockets. This team already looks drastically different than it did just two, three days ago with all the additions that they've made via free agency and the trades that they consummated. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been an emotional roller coaster. I'm not going to lie, bro. Like I've been <laughs> the first night. Uh, emotional. Really, really, yeah, man, this is, we've been waiting for this for so long uh, to get to this point. I, I've been all over the place. I think I'm at a good spot now where, um, you know, taking everything in and, um, you know, kind of seeing how everything laid out with the different moves that they made. Uh, so like, you know, my biggest phrase, it's a mixed bag. It truly is a mixed bag, but at the end of the day, you know, the Rockets got better, but there, there's some, you know, things in there that I, I wished could have gone differently, but overall, you know, they got better. we're, we're, we're going to, kind of navigate the moves that they've made. We'll throw out some grades for what we think the Rockets did ultimately. We want your commentary as well in the YouTube comments. Share your grades for how you would assess Rockets free agency, at least so far, because there may be some smaller moves on the margins made still here. The Rockets do still have their room MLE left to be able to utilize. They've got about $4.5 million of cap space left after all the other moves that they've made, so there might be one or two more names coming down the pipeline, but Frank, let's start with the biggest name on the yeah. market that the Rockets got, and that's Fred Van Vliet. I've said it now in not one, but two podcasts. I've already said that to me was an A++ signing by the Rockets, so my grade has been out there for a minute about Steady Freddie. How yeah, do you feel that. about that signing? <laughs> How do you feel about him? Well, 
at first the the part of the roller coaster was that three year part right before we knew that the third year was a team option um i was really like man that that really isn't what what the type of contract you want to give to a fred van fleet i love fred van fleet i've been uh telling people on my channel that a two-year you know 80 83 84 million dollar contract for a guard of his caliber um it's worth it especially when you have the money to spend the cash space to use um, that third year really, you know, I got a little nervous there, but then when I saw that it was a team option, it really changed. It's basically a two year salary. So if it gives you, and there's some incentives for actually having that third year available because it allows you to be a little more creative with how you use your cap space in the event that there's not a great person out there you want to go grab. So for that specific, um, this Fred Van Vliet, what he's bringing as a leader, what he brings as the on-court product, he threads the needle of both being somebody that can help you win right now, but he's not such an overbearing presence um, in the on the court and in the locker room like a star or a big player that you still can help develop uh, some of the other talent that you have on the roster. Yeah, that that is a a, a for me, um, and I'm not going to say plus plus. I'll give it an A. I'll give it give it an A just uh, just because that uh, you know even though the the team option is there and everything like that. Uh, the 40 something million is, is a, you know, like you see it and you're like, damn, 40, 43 million, 45 million. So, uh, but AA for that grade, I think that's one of the better signings. And a lot of people, I'm look, on both of our channels, bro, there's a lot of Toronto Raptors fans that keep saying, you want them, you got them. Well, we got them. Okay. So y'all don't worry about us. We're going to do what we do. We're coming from hell. So let's just, we're, we're happy with Fred Van Fleet. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, man. Look, look, first off, I, the, the, the Raptors fans commenting on both our channels saying stuff like Fred Van Fleest and all that stuff. I'm like, God, y'all, <laughs> y'all are just either y'all are just big salty about the fact that you missed out on this guy. Just y'all can have fun with Dennis Schroeder as your as your point guard. Okay? Oh, yeah, like, I I'm forgot they got him. All good yeah. on all that. Look, we got Fred Van Fleet. I loved the pickup, right? I, I've been saying A++ because I feel like it was just, it was the biggest positional need for the Houston Rockets. And it's kind of funny. You see some of the... Maybe some of the messaging kind of changing now, right? For the past two years, we've seen all the messaging about Kevin Porter Jr. being the leader of this team, the point guard of this team, the emo the emotional fulcrum of this team, those articles out there. And uh, our guy Kelly Eco actually just dropped a new one Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, and one of the quotes in the article, it says, the days of deploying Porter as a makeshift point guard are over now with a legitimate lead ball handler and NBA champion under center. And man, did that quote hit, Frank. That, was, that, that hit, and it it's it really started, bro, if you think about it, it started like in March when they started talking about who their core was. You know, it, was, it never, there were a lot of articles. I don't know if it was intentional or coincidental or it never mentioned him. So this pivot away from KPJ, I think is an underlying storyline that a lot, you know, you know, I know like we're going to get into as the, as the, the weeks come along, but um it you know we've been saying this for a, a while like he's a great player a talented player but he was never a point guard and um the rockets i guess i don't know what their true intentions were for this i think one thing the article did say was that at least in this experiment that he's gone through he's able to be a creator in his role which they you know kelly put him as the as a shooting guard behind jalen green which is very interesting um but uh, he has the ability to create for his teammates. So at worst, you got a player that still has the skills to be a secondary playmaker um, on a team that's going to require those skills because we still uh, have a need at, at the uh, as at a as a pure backup guard if a man isn't ready. So, yeah, man, no more uh, KPJ arguments. Hopefully, uh, going forward for for the Rockets fan base. 
No more. Uh, I'm the head honcho. The head honcho has yeah, been replaced by Fred Honcho, man. Fred Honcho is here to stay. <laughs> I like stay. that, Fred Honcho. We're going to have to rock with the yeah, Fred Honcho it. nickname for a minute. Coming up, we've got the other signings, other moves that the Rockets have made, and stuff that might be on the horizon for this Rockets team. Maybe they were a bit intentional about trying to roll some of their cap space over to next offseason. We're going to break down more of this coming up here in just a moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players and they score more or less than their prize picks projections. You can up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. They've got you covered for all the action. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's go next on our list here, Frank, of the acquisitions made by the Rockets. And this is going to be the one where the the, the grades, the reception is going to be pretty polarizing amongst the fan base. Uh, Dylan Brooks. Yeah. He's a guy that we've talked about before. He's a guy that, you know, certainly brings... Um, some much-needed defense intensity. He, he brings some positives, but he also brings some negatives, some question marks, and the contract. However, I guess we keep like we keep finding out little tidbits. It's like they're just like letting yeah. him out just piece by piece about his contract structure. First, we found out it was four years, eighty million. Then we found out it's front-loaded, so it's in descending value. And now we've most recently found out via Kelly Eco that it actually has incentives and whatnot baked into it. So the contract might even be more favorable than it looks like on the surface as mm -hmm. the four years, eighty million. Yeah, the, the Dylan Brooks contract is probably my lowest grade for the Rockets um, in the free agency, and not because uh, necessarily the the uh, money involved, but the length of the contract. Well, the money is because the 20 million was not what most of us were discussing prior to the actual um, the numbers came out. But that four years, um, the fact that it touches Jalen's cl class of um, you know extensions and Jabari's class of extensions, plus the type of player that he is, he is a polarizing player. Even in Memphis, I listened to. Um, uh, I forgot the guy's name on the ringer that does a, a, a podcast with, um, Oh, uh, uh Matt, well, whatever Matt, he's a, Matt Ver or Vernon, something Werner, Verno. Yeah. Verno. Verno. I listen to Verno. Verno is a diehard Memphis fan. And I think he hates, uh, he probably hates <laughs> Dylan Brooks more than anybody. So to me, like, yes, he's one of those guys that he's going to be polarizing within the fan base. Think Christian Wood um, type, but the difference is he's the anti Christian Wood on the court because, um, he actually plays like he's one of the best defenders, wing defenders in the NBA. So depending on what the incentives are and, you know, how the descending contract is going to work out over the next few, um, how the when the information comes out, I think actually it's not a bad contract, especially for a team that is lacking defense and has lacked defense over the past three years. Um, overcompensating for that by bringing him in. Um, I think the value that uh, Brooks has to the Houston Rockets 
to our team and our context of our situation is more than he probably has to the rest of the NBA. So um, looking at that, looking at it from that angle, you know, it could be, it could be, I had it as a C minus. Um, I could bump that up to a B, B plus um, because you, like I said, we were one of the worst defenses all over half court transition. Um, he's going to be a guy that he picks up full court, you know, he's a guy that he's going to try to take on the other team's best player. Um, he, you know, there's videos of them. You can watch him in practice and things like that. He talks, he over talks. If y'all remember when PJ Tucker was here, that was his thing. Over talk, over talk. Always and talking, always communicating. Yeah, always talking. Yep. And that's Dylan Brooks. He's a communicator. He's telling guys where to be. Um, Honestly, I think the fan base is going to end up liking him a lot because just like with Chris Paul, most of us hated Chris Paul before he became a rocket. When he was here, we excused all the weird stuff he was doing. Then when he got went out, then you start like, well, yeah, he's kind of a dirty player. So um, Dylan is in, the, in that lane. So I definitely I'm going to give them a B plus for that. And it may actually grow on the fan base. So I, I would say we should all just kind of cool off on him a bit. I'll go I'll go B minus for now until we know what the incentives look like. Again, I, I was warming up to the idea of the addition of Dylan Brooks for a while in the lead up to it happening because just it felt like a foregone conclusion almost like even as we were waiting for the Brooke Lopez domino to fall, I was like, okay, we just need this one to happen so that we can see what happens with Dylan Brooks. It kind of felt like the organization was being really transparent about their targets. Um and again, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks were two of their big three up on the board, and they snagged Dylan Brooks. And like you said, I think that I, I'm kind of right there with you. I think that by like, you know, November, December or so, like a month or two into the season, Rockets fans are going to have a new fan favorite. He's going to grow on the fan yeah. base. Um, I think Red94 was joking on Twitter saying we're all going to be wearing jorts to Toyota Center, copying the, the Dylan Brooks <laughs> look at some point. I mean, I, I don't hate it. I think that he he fills a position of need, and just him and Fred Van Vliet alone are going to elevate this defense so much, right? The Rockets went from being arguably the worst defense in the NBA to at least, like, five to ten spots better just with those two guys added by themselves and also kind of having them show the other guys how to be better players, where to be defensively, the communication element that you brought up with Dylan Brooks. All of that matters a lot in the in the scheme of how this Rockets team is ultimately going to look next season. Next guy that the Rockets brought in, bit of a surprise, although I kind of like it, uh, and it was definitely a pivot yeah. move once the Brooke Lopez thing didn't happen. He's John pivot, Landale. Yeah. What a pivot, though. Like, hey, Brooke Lopez, that's our first guy. We didn't get Brooke. I called Jock right now. Like, I don't understand how that that uh, trajectory happened. So I'm sure there's like five guys in between before we got to Londale. But I, yeah, I like the guy. He's, he's, he's a pretty good um, backup guy. He had the strong postseason with Phoenix, and, and I think that he gives them, like, this was kind of the, one of the bigger, similar to the, the Fred Van Vliet taking over the starting role and kind of now the Kevin Porter Jr. storyline that we're going to be following and how he adapts to whatever his new role looks like on this Rockets team, which it kind of looks like, you know, backup two guard, dynamic creator off the bench, that kind of thing. You know, if they had brought in Brooke Lopez, then there would have been a lot of question marks about what happens with Alper and Shingu moving forward. Right now, you know, I mean, unless we walk into another Bruno Fernando situation where Jock Landale's the starting center next year, could, <laughs> oh my could God, you yeah. even imagine what oh, the fan nah. base would do if that happened, man? They, they, we would have to storm Toyota January 6th style. 
Um, yeah, we're not going through this again. Not for chocolate. No, no, definitely good, not. Good, good value on the contract though. First year guaranteed, uh, you know, nothing else past that guaranteed four years, 32 million. Um, I'll give that one a B plus actually, just cause I think it was just kind of like an innovative, creative signing, really good, friendly contract structure. Um, and a, Really high quality backup for Alper and Shingun, a guy that can give you 15, 20 solid minutes a night and can, you know, in a pinch, be a starter if Shingun misses a game or two or something like that and be at least serviceable at the five spot. And I'm also just going to give some points because it's not Dwight Powell. Oh, yeah. Um, I know a lot of people that hate Dwight Powell. I, I, I really, I mean, I don't dislike him. I just don't think he has any impact at all on anything. Um, Jacques Landell, he is a. He's reminds me. He's like a Mason Plumley type of player. If you guys want to comp for him, um, he's a smart player, uh, Australian guy. He played, you know, for the Suns. He played for the Spurs. Um, he's always one of those guys that whenever he gets on the court, he's going to be a positive. Like he's not going to do anything to hurt the team. Um, pretty good, you know, kind of rim deterrent. He's a better athlete than he looks. Um, and I think it's it's a, actually a great thing for Alperin Shangun and the Rockets because one of the things that we've talked about over the past years is how Alp's talents have been kind of pushed to the side, um, you know, because of Christian Wood, because of, sadly, Bruno Fernando. Um, just random things. Uh, Coach Silas never really bought into that. And I think that Coach Udoka is a little bit more creative in how he approaches the game. So um, Alp, you know, we're hearing that he's growing and getting bigger. So this is going to be a chance for him to really like take control of this this center position. It's a big year for Alperin because I don't see a world where Jacques Landell, as good as he is and what he does, there is no way he should beat out Alperin Shangun for a spot. If he does beat out Alperin Shangun for a spot, then we're all in trouble. But so I, I think that this is going to be a great time for him to really show that he belongs as not just we know he can score. We know he's offensively dynamic. Can you anchor a team? Can you be that anchor as a, on the defensive end for a team? With Udoka, he's going to be playing a lot of drop, drop coverage still. But one thing that Coach Udoka does is that he likes to mix up his drops where they do show a lot of you know traps and different uh, hard hedges where he tries to get the, the players that are being attacked. He tries to use alignment to get them off the attack and make the other team have to force the issue. So he's not just going to, for example, let Al P play the drop against Dame Lillard dropping 70. Um, so hopefully we, we're never going to see something like that. So I'm really excited. I think. Well, well, maybe we're never going to see something like that again because we were already forced again. to live through that. Once, yes, we were so. seeing that. Right. I think that um, this year, if out of all our young guys, I'm going to bet that Alperin has the biggest jump uh, as great as he was already because of this situation. No Brooke Lopez. Um, yeah, the Jock Lando, I mean, it's it's a good move. The contract looks great. Um, it's it's basically a bunch of team options into infinity. Um, so if if he is a good guy that fits in the locker room, you can keep him around. Um, it's a front team friendly deal. Great locker room guy. I've watched some interviews. Great character guy. He's funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give that one an A. I mean, there's really it's just a guy there. Um, now, if I look at it in context of Brooke Lopez, I may want to be tempted to take away some some uh, points for it. But I mean, they did what they had to do, which for me, the Lopez thing fell through. Um, you pivot to a point where you don't have to tie up yourself in the future. It's a short term deal. You're kicking the can down the road on that position. And I'm perfectly fine with that, uh, with, with them doing that.
The last guy that the Rockets managed to bring in an old fan favorite from the Rockets yes, bubble days. Uh, Uncle Jeff Green is back in Rockets red, fresh off his title run with the Denver Nuggets. I honestly, I love this pickup, Frank. This is exactly the type of locker room guy that you want to help Ime Odoka establish his culture and vision for the Rockets. You see the way that he not only provided an on-court impact for the Nuggets, but the way that he also mentored and taught the young guys over there, really helping you know impart his knowledge, his wisdom to these guys. He's a great locker room presence, a great leader. I, I think that was, I'm going to give that one just a flat A for being able to go out and grab him. Again, another kind of pivot type move where, you know, you're giving Jeff Green a bag, you're giving him six million to come to the Rockets and basically just be that third string center, that, you know, locker room guy. It's not like he's going to get, you know, consistent rotation minutes on any given night, but I love what he's going to be able to bring to this team just from, you know, uh, an off the court perspective for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely, that's an A plus for me. Um, Jeff Green is is a great vet and, you know, him getting $6 million for one year to come and help us transfer into this new era of Rockets basketball. I think it's a great fit. He fits all the, uh, checks all the boxes that Coach Udoka speaks of. Great character guy, great locker room guy, a leader, defensive minded. He can still get up. Uncle Jeff is still an athlete at his age. He can help um, on the court. And you think about some of the, the second units that we have that may feature Amen Thompson and Jay Sean Tate. Having a um, Uncle Jeff to be maybe interchangeable with Jock Landale to be that small ball five where you have a couple of non-shooters on there really makes a big difference in a team that's trying to win. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great, you know, great signing. Um, couldn't go wrong there. there. You know, overall, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if we we're going to touch on this, but overall, you, you see all the free agency signings. They start off pretty negative and they've transferred over to like, especially with the Dylan Brooks thing, if we can figure out what exactly the full contract is, you know, they might have had done what I was saying they should do. If you miss out on guys, just kick the can. You know, you could tie up your cap space with shorter, pivotable contracts and do that. So overall, I think they've done that. My biggest quibble with the Rockets is the asset management of how they we kind of try to expand our cap space to get Brooke Lopez and failed in doing so. And I think it showed a lot of um, it showed lack of foresight in in them and not preparing for the world where uh, Brooke actually just says no. And that is concerning to me going forward as looking at our front office trying to build a contender. Uh, but other than that, I think, you know, as far as just the free agent signings, they did pretty good. You read my mind, man. That's exactly where we're going next. We're going into oh, the, yeah, the the contract structures and what it means for next offseason and how they maybe did have a little bit of foresight in some of the decisions they made just now this offseason with some of the moves that they made, as well as the asset management portion, because I do think it warrants discussion. So we're going to get there in just one moment. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Final segment where Frank and I are going to vent some of our frustrations here about the Rockets and asset management or lack thereof asset management um in the break in between segments we actually both started laughing because frank's like i've been <laughs> i've been building up to this for three years i want to talk about it so oh my God. I, i'm gonna let you get yeah. your bars off frank Let, let's 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 riff on this because it is Aye, it man. is a conversation that warrants discussing because it is important and i want hopefully we can help rockets fans better understand that the frustration isn't necessarily painted about 
the players that the Rockets moved on exactly. from, but why they moved on from them and how they moved on from them. Yeah, so obviously, you know, kind of what I alluded to in the previous segment was that we basically gave away players in the in the form of Ty Ty Washington, uh, Usman Garuba to the Hawks and Jacob uh, to the Grizzlies. And then, you know, the Kenya Martin part, only getting two uh, second round picks for a guy that could be a role player on pretty much any team in the NBA and in, in an effort to expand to get a um, to get more cap space to be able to offer more money to Brooke Lopez. Now, to me, we've known for damn near the whole year that this, you know, who the players are going to be in free agency and, you know, what possibly, you know, the contracts are going to be, you know, when the time comes. So I am shocked that the Houston Rockets didn't have a world where Brooke Lopez may not just jump on the number that they gave them initially and had to go into scramble mode to the point where you're giving away guys that you just drafted literally like yesterday which is really just terrible asset management in the NBA. And it's not even about Usman Garuba because Usman Garuba barely played. It's not about Ty Ty. It's not about, you know, KJ in a vacuum. It's not about Jake up in a vacuum. What it's about is that then you look back when you did draft these guys, a lot of people were saying, hey, maybe try to move those picks. But no, we're going to draft all these players. To add insult to injury, not only do you draft seven first round picks, you don't play them. And you not only you don't play them, the players in front of them sometimes we're worse than them and the ones that you played in front of them most of them are gone just some of them got waved got walked out so we wasted all of these players and trying to either build up their stock to show the nba that hey maybe ty ty is a viable option not now but three years from now look what he did against these five teams that he got a chance to play against instead of dacian nicks playing 30 minutes and just waving dacian nicks it's just it's terrible. It's just terrible asset management. To me, it, it reeks of bad foresight and trying to anticipate what the market is. And it is a pattern that I'm seeing, Jackson, with the with the Rockets, that they are always in reactive mode rather than being proactive, which is so opposite of what we saw from Daryl Morey when he was the general manager here. Uh, despite the Russ move, which you know most people say was a Tillman thing. Um, Maury was always on the cutting edge and that's what I'm used to for my front office and it does make me you know beg the question yeah we we've, we had a decent free agency got some guys we want can Stone and this front office build an actual contender because you're not just competing with Houston you're competing with Golden State you're competing with Phoenix you're competing with the Clippers with the Lakers with Miami with the Bucks like it's a competitive world not just on the court but in the executive suite so you know, we we keep getting we keep getting beat up a little bit in these some of these trades and moves. So I don't know if, if for the future for the Rockets, if if I'm, I'm really assured that this is the front office is going to get us to, to the promised land that we're dreaming of. Couldn't have said it better myself. And to, to add, you know, some context here, right? You know, the Rockets had this deal lined up with Brooke Lopez, and that's why they made all these other subsequent deals. And, you know, my understanding, at least at this point, is that they didn't feel right, I guess, about backing out of these other deals with the other teams that they had kind of orchestrated behind the scenes in order to clear the cap space to sign Brooke Lopez. And so when Brooke Lopez essentially decided to renege on his deal and kind of back out of the offer that the Rockets had on the table for him going back to Milwaukee, leveraging that offer into a bigger contract with Milwaukee, which, you know, shout out to the Bucks for their pain tolerance of matching it and going two years, yeah. 48 million. I don't think really, I wasn't expecting them to go that high, honestly, for Brooke Lopez. Um, 
it, you know, I think it looks like the Rockets wanted to prioritize maintaining the good faith, the relationships with the teams that they had, you know, orchestrated these deals with and didn't want to then subsequently back out of these deals. But, and here's my, this is my big frustrating point, and it's back to asset management and foresight. If you had just let Kevin Porter Jr., go to restricted free agency instead of giving him the contract that you did at the beginning of this past season, a contract that I think we can all very safely say that nobody would have offered him anywhere near that amount of money this offseason. The cap hold on KPJ's deal would have been roughly $6 million less than it currently is. Therefore, ipso facto, you wouldn't have even had to make any of these deals to have the cap space to pursue Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, and Brooke Lopez all at the same time. You could have kept all the young guys. You would not have. Now, you may have still experienced some roster churn. Obviously, you can only go into the season with 15 names on the roster, all of that. I get that. But you wouldn't have been backed into a corner or painted yourself into a corner where you were forced to unload these guys for little to no value or in certain cases, offloading future assets to get rid of some of these guys in order to facilitate, you know, signing a guy that didn't even wind up signing with you in the first place. So that is another element of just screaming lack of foresight, lack of planning and just kind of, Flying by the seat of your pants, like you said, right? Being reactive instead of proactive in how you're approaching these things. Again, I don't think anybody realizes that, or I don't think anybody was going to offer Kevin Porter Jr. the contract that the Rockets ultimately did. And you can argue that it's a good contract, creative with all the incentives and all the outs and this, that, and the other thing. You could have still negotiated that exact same contract this summer. Look at what um, AR uh, Austin Reeves got. Amazing. That's that's a this is a guy that is literally closing out the Golden State Warriors in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Look what the contract he got from the Lakers and when they let him go to restrictive free agency. So to me, is Kevin Porter Jr. Is he um, worth more in the open market than Austin Reeves? Austin Reeves, who's closing out Steph Curry versus KPJ, who's on a 22 win Rockets. So, yeah, I I mean, that's a point. Great point bringing that up. I'm going to give you a quote, uh, Jackson. This is going to be a locked on first. I don't think anybody's ever quoted this guy on your show. It says, no one to walk away from the table. This is from Donald Trump. (laughs) Art of the deal. (laughs) Oh, man. Not the the art art of of the the deal. deal. Oh, my. The art of the deal. And Tillman, I know, has his book on his shelf for a fact. Sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you gotta shut up and listen, right? Shut up and listen. No one to walk away. The fact that they were trying to even do this this expansion of all these plays is just like, come on, bro. Like we should know what's our price point. What are we willing to do? I don't want to hear the good faith stuff. Like, come on, it's a business. No, that that good faith stuff is gonna get people fired. You know what I mean? That that those are fireable offenses in in some cases. But um, you know, I think all over. You know, all jokes aside, I, I still like the moves that they made. I, it just screams of bad mistakes from the past that we had to make up for, uh, and they came back and bit us right now in the future. The KPJ thing, the not playing our guys thing, all of that stuff really came full circle. Now, look, we 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 both got a chance to kind of vent our frustrations here. Let's end on, on a couple slightly more positive notes here. First of which, we, we've hinted at it a couple times. The way the Rockets have constructed this roster now, though, with the, the way some of the contracts are set up, they are poised to have about 
somewhere north of $30 million next free agency. And that, mm -hmm. I think, was very intentional in the way that they were able to pivot some of these contracts. So essentially, you can, if you want to, KPJ this year is effectively an expiring contract. So that's one. Jay Sean Tate, another one. Uh, Jeff Green expiring because one year. And then Jock Landale only guaranteed one year. So Team option, yeah. all, all four of those guys coming off the books next season would give you approximately 30, a little north of 30 million to play with in free agency. And obviously, if you really wanted, if there was a guy that you felt really strongly about trying to pursue in free agency, you can almost always create more room if you needed to offload another slightly bigger salary somewhere else to make something happen. So that is one positive, at least, that the Rockets could be significant players now next free agency after what we hope is a step in the right direction. I kind of predicted like 35-ish wins this next season, at least as presently constructed. That's a pretty monumental jump from being 22 wins. Yeah. But if they do that, if they maybe flirt with the play-in territory and they've got this young, exciting core and they've got Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks' guys say, hey, like, come play with us. Like, we got something brewing here in Houston. The young guys know what's up. Then maybe they could be players for a marquee free agent. And there's one other point here. Frank, in the... I hate that I'm going to have to address this on the show. There have been a couple videos circulating of Jalen oh, Green Lord. on social media. And we're not going to yes. get into the specifics. If you've seen the videos, you know what I'm talking about. But I do think that the Rockets trading KJ Martin and Josh Christopher, who were easily Jalen's two closest friends, right? Long-term friends, AAU teammates, all that. Um, they all Those guys go way back, right? I do think that trading those guys is going to be kind of a wake-up call for Jalen Green, yeah. right? There, there's there This Rockets team, we've joked in the past, right? Other talking heads, pundits have joked. It's all AAU vibes in Houston. There's no, you know, they're an unserious organization. I think this is kind of that wake-up call for Jalen where he doesn't have his buddies anymore, right? It's going to be time for him to wake up and really face facts. This is the NBA. It's a business, and he needs to really focus up. Not to say that Jalen hasn't been focused and working and trying hard, all that, but I do think it's about to become less buddy-buddy in that locker room and more, hey, head down, let's get to work under Ime. Great point. Um, and, you know, whether intentional or unintentional, I, I definitely do see that as like, hey, bro, welcome to the NBA, right? I think this is the first time our guys, the ones that are still here, are going to see that what John Wall was angrily venting on that podcast that he was on, that they they think stuff is sweet out here and, and it's not and this is an example of stuff not being sweet when it's time to win and people's jobs are on the line we love you Jalen but at the end of the day if 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 you're the reason that the Rockets are losing or they see an opportunity to become a, a much better team by moving on they they would move on from it. I don't think anybody is untouchable on this roster um, because we haven't done anything yet and I, I you know I think that this season he has to not only for that, he's also due for an, uh, his extension talks uh, starting next year. He has to really lock in on both ends of the court, given the type of coach that we brought in. Uh, Ime being a guy that's really heavy on defense. Um, and now his twin is going to be his competition. Him and KPJ are essentially going to be overlapping in some of the roles that they play. And there are some that argue that Kevin Porter maybe right now is a better player than Jalen Green is just given his all around skill set. So Jalen really needs to like, this is not his team. If it was, it's not anymore. We have some adults in the room. He's going to go back to a slot where even though he's probably our highest star, like potential player, he's going to have to show it on the court because Fred Van Fleet doesn't care where you were drafted. Dylan Brooks damn sure doesn't care where you were drafted. 
So they're going at him every practice. He's just going to have to show like he's a dog and get it that way because you, there's no way you're going to be able to, oh, I was drafted second, so it's my team. That stuff is done. So I'm curious to see from all our young guys. I know Jabari is going to be okay because he has a certain type of mentality. Tari, he's okay. You know, he's just he just wants to play. Can Jalen take the reins and really step up and step out to be the star that we need him to be? Because that's really what he's projected to be. Can he do that? It's yet to be seen, but I'm excited to see what even training camp looks like this year, bro. Man, it's going to be an exciting offseason moving forward. We've got Summer League right around the corner. Of course, we'll have you covered for all of that right here at Locked on Rockets. Frank, do us a favor. Let everybody know where tra- they can track you down at. Track me down on uh, Twitter, ftank58, and the Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube. Keep rocking with us, man. We appreciate the support. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Drop your player grades in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.